from somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. Mike here. And again, thank you for joining me here on this latest installment of Mike Davidson Lives. Uh, meant to do it last night, uh, this episode, uh, recording Thursday night, uh, some technical issues, and by that I mean my daughter wouldn't go to bed. Uh, Lana, I think tomorrow, Friday, begins her third day of pre-K, and two days in, she's loving it. She's loving it. She's taking to it like a fish in water, so very excited, but uh, getting her to bed sometimes is a task, and the fact that I work, and my wife works, and you know how it goes, you, you get sleepy and i got sleepy last night slept nine hours feel great right now uh before i i I get to the nuts and bolts and everything uh of the podcast r.i.p to one wolfgang peterson passed away earlier this week at the age of 81 noted filmmaker out in hollywood from germany um not very active for a long time actually i think the last movie he made was back in 2016 it was for uh for German audiences, it was like a, a crime comedy something, and I, and I can't say the name of this thing, but I think the last thing he did for Hollywood proper, 2006, and that was that remake of the Poseidon Adventure, which, okay, no, not all that great, uh, but some of the stuff that he did do for Hollywood, uh, well, before he came to Hollywood, Das Boot, submarine thriller, that's what he did, that kind of got him some notoriety, and then he came to Hollywood, and Never-ending story, outbreak, perfect storm, and probably my favorite movie from the dude, uh, be in the in the line of fire, and of course, Air Force One, get off my plane. Not a, not a bad catalog there. Not not a lot of films in it, but uh, he did all right. So again, uh, condolences to the Wolfgang Peterson family <laughs> because they're all avidly listening. But very very de- decent filmmakers. Some great films there. I'll tell you what's uh, more than decent, and I was just happy as all get out. Monday evening was the series finale of Better Call Saul, and uh, I, I tell you what, Vince Gilligan and uh, and uh, Bob Gold, or Peter Gold, I'm sorry, uh, they, uh, they knocked it out of the park with this series. It was uh, tremendous how how it kind of grew and developed into its own thing. A great companion piece to uh, but uh, to Breaking Bad, and uh, it, it was just great show writing. And the thing is, is uh, uh, I would not consider Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad either one of those shows woke. Uh, they're all about character development and characters making poor choices. And allowing those characters to make poor choices. And uh, the results and the uh, consequences of their actions or inactions. Like, the writer's rooms for both shows, stupendous. And uh, that's what I love about it. But it wasn't like Breaking Bad Jr. here. Although, uh, both Aaron Paul and uh, Brian Cranston did make cameo appearances uh, throughout the last three episodes in flashback scenes. And those worked. But uh, what, what made this... Uh, this series finale great was it was talking about paths regrets and uh what made the show great was the fact that they didn't dwell on the caricature of saul goodman they focused on the guy behind it which was jimmy mcgill and what led him to become saul goodman and of course his downfall and bob odenkirk was just fantastic uh but but the uh the series finale had three 
and if, I, if I'm spoiling anything for, for you, well, you know, you should have watched it already. Uh, it had uh, three flashback sequences, one with uh, him and Mike in the desert talking about a time machine. And if you can go back to any point in your life, what would it be? And then uh, the second one was with him and Walter White in the basement of the vacuum cleaner salesman. As uh, both guys are hiding from the law and they're talking about regrets. And uh, the the two the responses that uh, Jimmy or Saul or whatever had to both guys when they asked him what he would do or what he regretted were sort of superficial. And the third the third flashback scene, you kind of get the idea that that was Saul Goodman's regret. That was Jimmy McGill's regret, and it's well done. I won't spoil that for you, but uh, Bob did great on that show, as did uh, Rhea Seahorn. Uh, you know, finally getting some uh, award love out there for her portrayal of uh, Kim Wexler. And that's the other thing, too, is like uh, the show has developed characters that you know on a you know first and last name basis and, and that's and that's very important character driven character driven shows are and character driven movies work they really do you don't need big explosions like michael bay and you don't have to have a message and everything like uh, aaron sorkin films and shows just just make good tv make good movies and uh, my hats off to the uh, creators of better call saul it was a worthy worthy spinoff and I, I'm, I'm proud to admit that I was wrong when I first heard about this show uh, god dang it was probably about 8 years ago I was like no nah, this won't work oh it worked it worked too well man I'm talking about it right now so uh, if you haven't already uh, most of the episodes are on Netflix and uh, I'm sure you can find a way to watch the final season if you haven't already but the other thing too is like uh, a lot of people were talking about it and I think a lot of people because of the buzz decided to take a look at it now, thieves are taking a look at cars. Um, as you know, because the economy is just doing so damn well right now, uh, thieves are getting a little more brazen, and one of the things they like to do is take catalytic converters from underneath the car. And, um, you know, that's a big annoyance. But that's, that's one thing I'm glad about uh, now that I have a house, now that I'm no longer living in apartments, now that I have a place to put my vehicles in, it's less likely to happen to me because it's in the garage. And, you know, I think that's what uh, thieves look for is like everybody going to bed or being away from their cars for a while and just going in and getting it done so they can sell the scrap metal for meth or stuff. Um, what uh, this, I, this is good intentions gone stupid, I think. And I, I don't like calling out it's, it's the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department. And, you know, by and large, I love cops. I, you know, I think we have a lot of great guys and gals behind the badge. I mean, yeah, there's some bad ones, but uh, by and large, good people. This, I don't think, is a good idea. Uh, what they did, I think this was a program they put in place yesterday down in Indy. Uh, they were painting catalytic converters so, uh, just so owners know what they are. So they stand out more just in case. But, I mean, if you're a thief and you're looking for a catalytic converter and you're under the car, oh, I'll just take this thing that's painted. And a lot of people were having, uh, I hate to say it, they were having fun at this idea on, I think, uh, the WTHR Facebook page, uh, WTHR out of Indianapolis uh, news station. 
And I would too, man. And and one, uh, I shared it on the Mike Davidson Facebook page where it's still there. And one person, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting your name right now, she, she pointed out, well, why not just have glow-in-the-dark keys in your wheel well? That's pretty much what that is. You shouldn't make the job easier for thieves. If anything, I mean, you have to put in deterrence so thieves won't steal things but it's, it kind of sucks that, that, that this is even a thing right now i mean there's always been catalytic converter theft but it just seems like i've seen more and more stories about it happening especially in the last three months and of course this is all anecdotal you can't really quantify what i say but uh that's what i say all right uh it's been kind of a bizarre week in terms of what people are thinking out there and a lot of people think some weird-ass stuff. I've got two different conspiracy theories, both of which I'm not really buying into, but surprise, surprise, I'm always the guy that kind of um, kind of has a degree of skepticism when it comes to conspiracy theories. And I just base it off of the old mindset of Ben Franklin. You know, three can keep a secret if two are dead. It's really hard to keep things secret. Or is it? Um, so this, this conspiracy theory, and again, I got this linked up on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, is making the rounds involving the moon. And when it comes to moon landing conspiracies, um, I don't think anything's ever going to top that douchebag filmmaker, uh, confronting Buzz Aldrin about it that one time. And Buzz Aldrin's cranky, grumpy-ass old self got up and beat the crap out of this fat loser. That was fun. Um, I wonder what Buzz would think about this. The There is now a conspiracy th theory stating that the moon landing is a hoax because uh, the photography gives it away. Somebody's looking like at the reflections in the moon visors and saying, Hey, if the moon landing was real, wouldn't we see a reflection of the camera? Take a look at this. Yeah, and like it's all diagrammed out, and of course everybody's poking fun out them for being stupid because, you know, it's it, it's a stretch. It's a real stretch. I mean, by you know, I I can't explain all the refraction and reflection and everything, but that doesn't prove crap. It just proves that uh, you're a nutbag for believing it. You need something a little more than just the reflection off of the moon visor to get people to start buying into this. So that's what's going on. And now there's one going around about Anne Hayes, who unfortunately passed away earlier this week. Uh, you know, she was in that fiery car crash, and they found, I think, cocaine in her system. And, and by the way, the cause of her um, death, uh, well, aside from them pulling the plug, would be the, uh, the severe burns in the inhalation uh, her breathing in the fumes and it was just it was not going to happen she was not going to be revived it's, this was pretty brutal but now there are conspiracy theories about her death uh, because I guess uh, she said in an interview one time she was talking about how she might get cancelled if she revealed something about somebody and I don't even know what that means and then there were some rumblings about her being in a movie about Jeffrey Epstein which I'm not buying into because that would imply that Hollywood would want to make a movie about a guy that hung around a bunch of them, and it just that's that would never even get greenlit. And if you're going to go after anybody, 
uh, for putting out a movie about Jeffrey Epstein and Hayes. You, you probably wouldn't go after the most high-profile person involved with that project. You might want to go after, like, uh, studio heads or executive producers, uh, people that aren't as seen as uh, Anne Heche is or was. And that's the other thing, too, is, like, this has been, 2022 has been a weird-ass year of celebrity death conspiracies. Uh, and it started out with Bob Saget, who uh, apparently bumped his head in the bathroom, went to bed, and uh, he was in so much pain that because he concussed himself, he pretty much bled out internally. That's how I understood it, stated. But then it became this whole, well, you know, the family wanted the money. And I'm just thinking, okay, so they wanted the money, and they waited for him to go to Florida to kill him. That makes no absolutely no effing sense. And uh, I was actually kind of surprised that, uh, uh, was it Naomi Judd? Because there's now that uh, that whole thing with uh, her daughters wanting to keep uh, the autopsy and uh, the death investigations, th those records sealed. And I, that's more or less a privacy thing. Nothing came of that. We didn't get any weird-ass conspiracy theories about that, but we did get that with Bob Saget when the family wanted it to be a little more private. And now, you know, with Anne Hayes being dead now, uh, you got this going on. So anytime somebody dies in Hollywood, it's a conspiracy now. Makes you wonder what Anne Hayes knew about uh, the moon landing, right? Yeah, I'm partially joking about that because you know somebody's trying to put that uh, in their mind. All right, what's the conspiracy against, uh, was it uh, Bryce Dallas Howard? She's the daughter of uh, of royalty in Hollywood. She's forty. She's a forty-one-year-old woman uh, who's been in some films. Her dad's done some stuff, and uh, she was griping earlier this week that she's not well paid. Oh no! Uh, I guess um, with uh, the new Jurassic Park movie, she was uh, talking about how um, Chris Pratt. I was going to say Chris Pine, and I'm like, no, there, there's too many damn Chris's in Hollywood. Uh, Chris Pratt was making way more money than she was on this movie. And that she, uh, you know, feels that women are being underpaid in Hollywood and that she would go to bat absolutely for uh, women of color. And she, she was basically doing uh, the, the, the checklist thing. She's mentioning all the uh, uh, the yasses on the, on the checklist to get sympathy from media. And I'm thinking to myself as, uh, as this is going on, well... Hell, you made more money than the uh, CGI dinosaurs, and uh, this is the third freaking movie you've been in, and uh, you didn't ask for more money with the first one or the second one or while filming the third one. Nobody twisted your arm to be in the third one, and you're griping about this. And, and you know, if you want to make um, if you want to make the argument that maybe Chris Pratt is a little overpaid for the Jurassic Park movies. And I like Chris Pratt. Uh, and I'm not afraid to say I like Chris Pratt because I, you know, I, I do like him in uh, the Gal Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Um, if you, But let's be real. like Nobody is going to see Jurassic Park movies because of uh, Ron Howard's daughter, daughter or Chris Pratt. They're going to see it because of the dinosaurs, man. Maybe Jeff Goldblum. He's, he's a delightful actor. But, I mean... You can't beat this. This uh, you can't beat this dead horse about. Oh, I'm underpaid. 
in this economy. It's kind of like when the WNBA players are talking about, well, we're only getting hundreds of thousands of dollars. And meanwhile, uh, American families, uh, both uh, the guy and the gal, or of course, uh, if it's uh, you know a guy and a guy or a gal and a gal, just the parents. Both parents are working and they're trying to keep the mortgage paid and the car payments going and their kids fed and clothed. And they hear a celebrity griping about how they didn't make as much money. And they happen to be the daughter of a well-respected former child actor slash Oscar-winning director. It, it, it's going to fall on deaf ears, man. I just get out of here with this stuff. Nobody needs, nobody wants to hear it. If you say something about it on social media, though, you're, you're sexist for pointing out the fact that her dad is well-known. Okay, so there's that. Um, also, uh, speaking of sexist, Deshaun Watson. Oh, man, what a mess this is. Because, uh, you know, Cleveland can't stop being Cleveland. And I haven't really talked too much about football, but this has become a full-blown mess. And it's just, it's kind of funny to watch because you have no idea what the hell is going on except the fact that the Cleveland Browns look absolutely terrible about this. It, it seemed like a couple years ago they had everything pretty much solved at the quarterback position with Baker Mayfield. I mean, hell, they even shot those uh, those uh, uh, progressive commercials where he's living in the stadium and, uh, you know, him and his wife sleep in the bleachers or something. I don't know. Uh, but there was, oh, how about this? There was uh, unhappiness in Cleveland, and I guess he and uh, ownership didn't get along, so, of course, they parted ways. But not before uh, Cleveland went and got Deshaun Watson from Houston as uh, the whole massage parlor thing was blowing up, and all these women are uh, coming out accusing him of uh, sexual misconduct. Now, granted, no criminal charges have been filed, okay? You know, he hasn't, he hasn't been found guilty He's not going to prison, uh, so he didn't really technically commit a crime. But who knows, right? It's a lot of speculation. But you have all these women coming forth and talking about this, and uh, you know it's blowing up as he's the quarterback in Cleveland, and as they're getting rid of Baker Mayfield. Now, on the cusp of the NFL season, where you know they thought, okay, we got uh, Deshaun Watson, who uh, who will lead us to an AFC North title, maybe some playoff games, and um, sky's the limit. He is now suspended for eleven games. Eleven games. I think it was it started out as six games, but now it's eleven games. So. He's going to miss a good chunk of the NFL season, two-thirds of it, and he has to pay a record $5 million fine. And then, of course, there's evaluations about uh, getting his mind right and uh, why is he lying and uh, why why you treat women like this and everybody's dogpiling on him, uh, dogpiling on the uh, dog pound leader now, as it were. And I, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, God, they're going to draft another quarterback card. <laughs> Maybe that's the wrong take I'm taking from this, but I mean, God, it's, it's it. How terrible of an organization is this? Where you have a quarterback, he's unhappy after you know decades and decades of changing quarterbacks left and right. You kick him to the curb. He's now in Charlotte, uh, playing for the Panthers, and the guy you bring in can't play for like the first three months of the season. 
unbelievable, man. And the thing, too, is uh, Deshaun Watson's out there still saying, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong after this fine, after this suspension, after the fact that he's got to go out and, uh, you know, get his mind right. And it, it, you, you can kind of look at this as going full Baldwin. Because Alec Baldwin, after it came back, that, uh, okay, the, the, he didn't pull the trigger. The gun didn't just go off by itself. You have to pull the trigger. He's saying, I didn't pull the trigger. Um, it looks like Deshaun Watson may not be completely honest here. But, again, who knows? Uh, it's <laughs> it's just a friggin' mess. And if you're a Browns fan, how do you look at, like, Jimmy Haslam, the guy that runs the whole friggin' show, and say to yourself, now, this is a competent owner. He... You know, this is the same league that's owned that, that Mark Davis owns a friggin' team. Jerry Jones makes decisions. You, you've got the worst owner. <laughs> Maybe okay, second worst because the Ford family's not really doing great things in Detroit. But I mean, Jimmy Aslan has not made Cleveland better, and this dog and pony show is just—it's too much, man. It's too much. Now, speaking of a show, I guess a, a man and a woman. Uh, recently got in trouble for some lewd conduct at uh, Cedar Point of all places. You know, great summer destination for those who like to ride roller coasters and all that. Uh, they were caught having sex in a Ferris wheel. How do you do that? I mean, it, don't those things sway? I would be... Because, like, I... I, first of all, you, you've got people around you. If you're up on top, maybe they don't see you. But if the uh, the car is down and somebody can look down into the car, they're going to see what you're doing. So there's that performance issue and getting caught. I mean, yeah, there's, there's the thrill of thinking you're going to get caught. But if it's obvious you're going to get caught, there's some sort of perversion there, okay? Secondly, those things sway. And, I don't know, man. Like, if, if it sways like that, wouldn't you be a little nervous? Like, would you, would you be too nervous to perform, or would you be too excited that uh, things don't go your way, so to speak? You know, if, if you really want to impress a lady, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a quickie in the log flume ride or something? Because at least that, there's a little stability before... You go over the edge. And there's there's kind of that, uh, okay, the clock is ticking. I think I can do this. And you could probably get away with it because if you're the only two in the log, you're good. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I, I looked at that story, and I'm like, it's kind of impressive that they were doing this, but how do you do this? That's a little nutty. All right. And speaking of nutty, let's wrap this up. Uh, as you know, it's, well, not really here in Indiana. Uh, it's been kind of a weird August. Like July was hot and sweaty as all get out. It's been cut, by August standards, cool and dry. Today no different. But in Europe they've had just terrible heat wave. I know that uh, in England they've had some road issues because it's they're not used to that sort of heat. And in Spain, they, I, I think that uh, they passed a law that you cannot have the AC below 80 at businesses and restaurants so yeah that that would be that would be a big incentive for me to eat at home if I'm sweating my ass off eating no thank you uh, but uh, I guess in France there's an exemption for golf courses to keep watering 
uh, even though, uh, you know, they're trying to conserve water. And environmentalists were so pissed off about this that they recently stormed the, uh, the uh, golf course in France, and they decided to pour concrete into the golf holes to show how mad they were. So that, you know, of course covers up the hole, you can't play golf, and, you know, rich guys, haha, <laughs> we're sticking it to them. Why are you watering a golf course? Two things came to mind when I read this brilliant thought process of these environmentalists. For one, when you're making cement, what goes into cement to help harden it? You know, if you're protesting water conservation and you're trying to get cement together, what, what do you put in the cement? Yeah, so that's stupid and wasteful, right? And secondly, even if, even if you got the golfers to not play golf, okay, are you telling them not to water plants? Because I thought plants were good for the environment. But then again, you don't have to think things through to be an environmentalist. You just have to be pissed off and destroy things and, you know, ask questions later. Oh, my God. And, and I hate golf, and here I am. I'm defending golfers from this stupidity. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, with that said and done, if you haven't already, uh, you know, binge watch Better Call Saul, especially if you're out in Europe because you're not, uh, you can't be outside playing golf, I guess. And until next episode, you've been listening to Mike Davidson live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.